Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Creating Confident Communication and we are so honored today to have Steve Rich with us today. Steve has an unstoppable passion for educating and lifting business leaders. He comes from a strong background in leadership and marketing, vice president of 20 years and a two and a half billion dollar company educating and implementing marketing for over 600 retail operations. One of 13 in the world certified master trainer in guerrilla marketing, best-selling author, keynote speaker and motivator, marketing strategist. Steve has received many awards for his creativity. However, the efforts that he says he is most proud of are the marketing campaigns that are not only creative, but show a measure track record of profitable success. Steve is known for truly caring about the people he works with. He is dedicated to doing whatever it takes to assist his clients, friends, and family. Steve has a beautiful wife, four kids, guardianship of his nephew, and one awesome grandson. Two huge uh, dogs live at Steve's house, and neither belongs to him. And and you have? Do you have any other grandkids? Because I think I do now. Yeah, I do. I so since then I have two grandsons and two granddaughters. Oh, perfect! Yeah. So my oldest grandson, he's just turned five, and then I've got a two-year-old grandson, and then I have a one-year-old granddaughter, and then another granddaughter that's like six weeks now. Oh, I'm so glad I asked because I think I had the honor to meet a couple of your little grandkids. Yeah, and I didn't leave yeah. anyone out. They yeah, they're gorgeous. awesome. Well, I personally have been absolutely honored and blessed to be able to work with you and um, just learn some more about marketing. And so I can firsthand say that I, I know you have a heart of gold to help people and a lot of compassion. And I'm just so grateful for you taking your busy time to come and share with us about a little bit about your story and how you got started in helping so many people with such success. Would you share with yeah. us, Steve? Sure. No, I am actually honored. I this is this is great. Um, and to me, because the first time I met you, Talia, you, just the way you came across, I could just feel how much you cared about other people. And I just thought, okay, she's my type of people. <laughs> just because you know, you can always tell when people are just very caring about others. Um, but yeah, no, no, how I kind of got started is, is I actually started working early in the work field. In fact, uh, I was working almost full time when I was 14 for grocery stores and I would go in at 4 a.m. You know, I'm, I had the key to the store. I would open it up. I would receive the trucks and the adults would get there around six or seven, but I would, you know, and, and so I started working retail. And so you're working with people all the time there and, and luckily, um, I was given opportunity after opportunity. And so by the time I was a senior in high school, I was actually a store manager. And uh, so had the responsibility. And some people say, you know, that was probably too much responsibility. You didn't have any fun. But I had plenty of fun, in my opinion. I, I was able to do a lot of things and and uh, and pay for a lot more things than my friends could because I was working so much. But um, so... Where I kind of first got into marketing is back there working for independents, uh, grocery stores, you know, the big chains could afford all the TV commercials, radio and billboards and that. And I work for independents. And so you're always trying to say, okay, what can I point out? Or what can I do that's different than the, the big guys that, that we can treat the people better or do a better customer service or provide, you know, uh, a better offering? 
And so that kind of started there. And so um, during college, I kept getting asked to go run stores. So it probably took me a few years longer than I should have to complete college because I kept taking time off and I'd go, there was a store that they'd want me to come and kind of fix for six months, you know, and, and so I'd go do those things. But I was bound and determined to get out of grocery stores. So as I graduated in marketing, uh, the first job I got offered was as a marketing broker for grocery products. So, so I basically called on grocery stores and grocery headquarters for, I had like Gatorade and, and products like that, you know, that, that I represented and helped push. Um, but I only did that for a couple of years. And as I was doing that, Associated Food Stores was, um, the, I was, uh, in charge of pitching them and talking to them about the products. And so they came after me and, and asked me to switch and come to work for them. And which was an honor. And I did eventually. And as I did, they gave me like 70 mom and pop little teeny stores in rural areas. And they said, okay, Steve, here's your job is you got to go out there and you got to increase their sales. You got to increase their profits. They don't have any money. So it's hard to market, but go get them, you know? Mm-hmm. And there been people that had tried before, but really kind of given up because there wasn't much money and they kind of just went, but, but I had throughout college, you know, I learned more about different types of marketing and even guerrilla style marketing stood out to me. And that was Jay Conrad Levinson wrote that book, uh, originally guerrilla marketing, but it basically talked about how the little guy can survive by doing things that it, the big guy just won't do, right? The big guy has to worry about supplies and people and everything like that. The little guy can just maneuver and get in and do stuff and then leave. And, and so that's the same way it, real estate marketing. And so that's what I kind of did for these little independent stores is I would put together themes and little kind of fun things that wouldn't really draw a big crowd in a big city, but in a little town, half the town would come out, you know, and they'd stay half the day. And, and so as I worked at these stores, um, it turned out to be very successful. And in fact, uh, the first year, uh, most of the big stores were just trying to break even. Um, the stores I was in charge of, about 70 of them, had an average of a little over 32% increase in a down economy. And, and so they were very happy in that they would talk and associated food stores consists of different size stores, right? Big, big stores, little stores, every, all these independent owners, as well as they have some corporate stores. Well, as the little guys were talking about how great I was doing, it got word up to the big guys and they're like, well, why isn't he doing our marketing? You know, why are we seeing increases? We're, we're, we're down. And, and so about that time, because it was such a dramatic increase, uh, the CEO came down and I'd only been at the company about a year, but he came down and said, look, I'm going to shake things up. I like what you're doing. And I think you're up to the task. I'm going to make you our new vice president of marketing. And how old were you at this point? How old? 23. I was 23. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Yeah, vice president of a two and a half billion dollar company. And, you know, there was a lot of people that had been there longer than I have and a lot of people a lot older than I was, probably the youngest and been at the company the least amount of time in that marketing area. But, but I just jumped into it. And at first, you know, some people had a hard time because who was this, this guy who's only been at the company a year and now he's the boss over everybody and he's so young. In fact, I don't know if, um, 
people remember that show Doogie Hauser with the young doctor. With I do. Of types they, were calling, they were calling me Doogie because I was this ultra young vice president. Um, oh, that's funny. But, but, you know, I just jumped in and we started doing that with all the stores. And we went through as a company, we went through growth. And not just because the marketing. There was other things our CEO was doing and, and others where we were changing um, uh, the looks and feel of our company. Previously, I'd always say that when I first went there, that associated food stores, because they were more reactive than proactive, um, that we were probably even five, ten years behind most of our competitors. Um, shortly after, the few years after I became, we were able to, as a company, move up, and we became the leader in the market, and all the chains were trying to follow us and get the best wow. site, and we'd get the best real estate, we'd get the best spots, um, because we could react quick and we could make things happen. And um, part of that was where, and um, you've heard me talk about being a number two, but that's where I really learned because, you know, I was pretty young. And I was like, okay, what really, what is my role as a vice president here? And I understand what it is over marketing, but the vice president, the president, what's my role in working with and for our CEO? And, one thing I could see is that although he was way better known than I was, but I, he could still benefit when I would shout him out or show respect or, or back him up. And um, so like if we go meet with Procter and Gamble or Kraft or some of those guys, I would always go in and I would always make sure I was there 15 minutes early and I would kind of set up the room and, and I would like want to tell a story about our CEO before he got there. So that by the time he got there, um, he was a hero, right? And, and people might have known him before, but when I was able to give, you know, hey, here's one thing that he did. He was able to, to work with the feds and we were on the first cooperative to be able to sell and have a class C stock, which gave us retained earnings, which helped us later buy some work competitors, helped us later buy Albertsons and, and some of those things, um, which was unheard of at, at, at the time, but, um, so being that kind of number two to him lifted it. And then even like if he was meeting with our staff or the employees um, and announcing some changes, there would always be that meeting after the meeting. And I always felt that, you know, that it was very important for me to be integrous in that if people said, ask me, hey, is that really the best thing for the company? I'd be I'd better be able to say yes. Or if not, I'd better do something about it. And he was that type of CEO, whereas... In fact, I remember one time there was some change we were going to make and I just wasn't seeing it. I just didn't really see how that was going to be better for the employees. And so I brought it up. I just said, yeah, I'm not seeing it. And he was the type of leader that said, well, if you're not seeing it, then others might not see it. And maybe the top end isn't what we thought. So let's put it on hold and let's review it. Let's research it. Let's go in there. And which I really appreciate because we ended up changing that and not launching it the same way we originally had and did it differently. But when people asked me, I could with my, with passion saying, yes, now this is the right thing for our company. I really believe it. This is the right thing for people. And so I saw how, how that could really help by being that number two and being supportive. And then after 21 years, I left there and started my own company. It was just me. And I started going around and I would meet with some of these networking groups and there'd be a lot of things that people would ask about marketing. And I knew I could help most of them just because I'd experienced all that through all those years. And, and with a quick phone call or just a quick little, 
hey, do this or do this and we can solve it. But I also didn't want to come across like a know-it-all or be cocky. And so I remember sitting there thinking, I wish I had an executive vice president who could let people know that, hey, he's he's done these things and it's okay. If he if he pulls you aside and said, here's what to do, he doesn't expect money or anything for it. He's just wanting to help you out, you know, and let people know. And but but you know, obviously I couldn't afford anything. I was just me. I couldn't afford to have a, a vice president. But as I looked around the room, I saw that everybody in the room could probably benefit from that same thing. Every one of them had some sort of experience or background or something that if somebody else could tell it, then they would be looked at in a better light or a different light or a higher light or whatever. And so I just decided right then that that's what most businesses need today is they need to have that confirmation. And, and so I, I make it my mind that every day I'm going to pick one or two or more businesses depending on my day, but I'm going to take the time to, to talk about the great things they do. I'm going to shout them out. I'm going to give referrals, give reviews. Um, and I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to do it for businesses. I don't know. I'm going to pick those businesses that I've had a great experience where I've worked with the owner and seen how honest they are, or how credible they are. But it's hard for them to say that stuff about themselves. So I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to, I'm going to shout out and say what a great experience I had working with them. And today that works so good in marketing because that's what we believe more than anything is real testimonials from real people. That's, you know, that's what works. So that's kind of what got me into that. And I just really enjoyed helping people. And I loved, I love, I mean, I mean, people, I mean, give me a rough time that there's a lot of people that I spent a lot of time with and helped for free and did all that. And, and that maybe I should have charged them. But, but to me, it was just awesome to be able to see people that if they just did a couple little things, then their entrepreneur spirit could take them the rest of the way, right? If they just knew how to get past these few hurdles or, or, Hey, how can I get a little bit more money over here to make this work? And, and so I've just really enjoyed just wherever I can lending, lending people that because it makes us all better. Even though I may not charge for that service, it makes us better as an economy. It makes us better, you know, as Americans. It makes us better as just business people being able to understand and everybody getting just a little bit better at what they're doing. So that's kind of how I got into that. Well, I love that. There was two thoughts that came to mind. So you told us about you. I can't even believe it. 14, working. You know, what do you think that trust was that they had? Because to be that vice president at 23 and to start opening up the stores at 14, there must have been something that you, I mean, maybe, maybe you have something you want to share that people trust yeah. or had confidence in you is what I'm feeling. What is that? What did, What do you think that uh, was? Because that's amazing. The only thing I can think of, and I've had somebody ask me that before, and as I look back, I really couldn't, don't know how, I mean, if it was something, but I did, we did always, I mean, growing up, I had parents that taught me how to work early, and my older brother and I, um, we worked together on all kinds of things. I mean, we had a paper route together. We, we, uh, there's a local farmer that we'd go down, and if we didn't have enough jobs or chores, we'd go down there and they'd always put us to work, you know, doing something, you know? And um, so I think one of the things is I learned early that, yeah, you don't quit if the job's not done. And so I think I probably had a little of that attitude and not saying that I wasn't lazy because I was probably as lazy as any other teenager. It's just that I didn't know you could quit early or quit before the job was done. Cause I was always taught, yeah, you couldn't, can't do anything until it's done. And so there were times where we're in the grocery store and stuff like that, where, 
where everybody else was just going to quit and let it go. And I, I didn't, I'd stay and make sure it was done right, look clean and everything was done the right way it should be done. And I think that's probably helped people so that they could see that early that they could trust me and, and that, you know, so I follow. Kind of like when you said, you know, I'll be here at this time, you showed up when you, yeah. you know, committed, you got the jobs done and through. And then that, what you said you did. And so people started to respect and trust that and knew, hey, yeah. we're excited about this new doogie. He's 23, but he's got this yeah. because look what you were able to create. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I, when I caught to come and learn some different marketing, I walked into your, you know, your office and your business and you just had all these amazing pictures of all the people that you've helped with business and on the news. And I was blown away with how many wonderful and influential people there's been that I'm like, wow, he knew Steve, right? So that was a wonderful, um, just just also shows that people can trust in you. And I, I'm loving that we're teaching in this podcast about creating confidence and creating communication um, and connection. And I believe that's through, you know, we follow through with what we say is what I heard you say on that, which I found awesome. Did you have any other thoughts on that? The only other thing is just kind of like what you said right there is sometimes businesses get so worried about the competition that they become almost closed on sharing and because they, they don't want to, they're afraid that'll help and make the competition benefit. And to me, I just think you got to forget all about that. And you just got to just give everything you can. And the benefit of that always comes back because people will see that you know how to do it better. You know how, you know, you're easier to work with or you'll, you'll see it get done fully. And, um, too many times when people try to to hold in and say, oh, well, I'm not doing this till I get all their money or I get all, you know, everything in place. So many times that limits the amount of people that will end up serving right there at first. And and so so the word never gets out. They they can complete the job. They can actually get it done. And I, I think one of the bad fits I've had is there's been a lot of people that I've worked with that you said were on the wall where when we went in, I – I told them, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this, but I'm going to teach you how so that you really don't need me after we work together six months. You'll be able to do this on your own and you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about paying somebody to do this. It's something you can do. And a lot of people wouldn't do that. They would like, Oh no, that's my, you know, that's my turf. I want to be, I want to be able to charge these guys this forever. But so I've trained, I mean, I've trained lots of companies where I've trained their marketing staff. And knowing that, hey, I'm only going to be working with them six months. That's okay. I'll be training their staff, and then their staff's going to take it over and do all their marketing. Um, or there's there's guys that are self-promoters that are like coaches or speakers or stuff like that, where when we first set it up, I was just going to get them that lift, that momentum, show them how to get to there. And then after that, they really didn't need to pay me. They would have enough momentum that if they just did the things I showed them, they would stay up there and stay you know, accessible and, and top of mind. So the people would call them. So I don't know. I think that's probably the other thing. It's just an attitude of you don't worry about competition. There's so much work out there. Just keep doing, just trying to do what you do best and you'll race, you'll rise to the top. Well, I had two thoughts on that. I kind of feel like you're teaching people how to fly and soar kind of like that old, um, that quote, you know, teach a man to fish and he'll be able to fish for his life. <laughs> right. What was it? Yeah. Yeah. Don't catch his fish or teach him how to fish and then he'll know how to fish for the rest of his life. So whatever. Yeah. I'm messing it up, but you know what I mean. You kind of taught him yeah. how to do it. The other thought that um 
that came into my mind was when I was learning about this process with you is I had some thoughts come to me with someone that also is in the speaking business and to reach out and just um, give some inspiration about a book I thought that she could write and so forth. And I wasn't even going to share this, but I feel like I got in my head like, well, I don't know if I should share this and I don't want to you know, go out of my way. But then what I realized when I did was that it was exactly what she had been like trying to like pondering on. And she came back to help me in so many ways. And that was never my intention. It was just as I gave back and helped encourage and tried to be the, the number, the number two, like you say, just always looking out for others. It came back as such a service and a gift to me. And so I was so grateful that we don't need to be in our head about the comparison or that scarcity mindset that we can help as many and it will always come back. Right. That's the lesson I learned. So I think what you said there is so awesome because some people put people at levels. They say, oh, he's at this level. So I'll have to learn from him. There's so many times where people have come to me like with a, a startup entrepreneur and just said, oh, yeah, Steve, you know, I've learned everything from you. But every single time I can point out something I learned from them, right? Every single time there's something that that made it so that I could run my business better because of something they said or did or something they said that they learned earlier, their dad did or somebody like that. And so I, I think it's, you know, no matter what, if you're always just looking to, okay, I'm just looking to learn and get better. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I do some things that I think I might be able to get done very well, but I also have plenty of my weaknesses too, right? That I'm always working on. And so I always like, like what you're saying, I like learning from everybody, no matter where they're at. If they're just starting out or if they've been in the business for 30 years or whatever, there's something that you can learn from them. Well, and I appreciate you bringing up that, you know, you have weaknesses, we have weaknesses. That was a question I was going to ask. And the process of kind of moving through and building this and helping so many, has there been any times that have been struggles or um, discouraging for you in your business? Yeah, I, um, you know, right now I can say I was proud of the positions that I've held, but also there was times where that was very stressful and, and I was very young. I didn't know necessarily how or why or that people dealt with that. In fact, I started dealing with depression uh, pretty heavily when I was associated. And at first, I didn't understand that, that many people deal with that. I just thought something was wrong with me. That why am I feeling this anxiety so hard? Why am I feeling this depression? Why am I feeling like this? So, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, am I, you know, is it something in my life that I'm doing? Is it, you know, and everything from eating right to how I treat myself to all that. And I'm sure all that had to do with it, but it was, I found out later it was more than that, right? It's, it's a chemical thing that, that all of us or that many of us deal with. Um, and at first I was embarrassed about it. I would hide it because I thought, oh, this is a, you know, a crippling weakness. Um, I honestly, the thing that helped me the most is we were self-insured as a company. So with like 5,000 employees, um, we would see the cost of our insurance, right? Because we'd be paying those bills. If somebody had cancer or whatever, as a company, we'd pay that because we're self-insured. Um, I was able at one point to see that, that almost 60% of our staff um, was either taking medicine or seeing somebody or doing something about anxiety or depression. And we all know that most or a lot of people self-medicate. So they didn't show on there. So in my head, I looked at said at least 60 people. So at least every other person I talked to is dealing with some sort of anxiety or depression. So from that point forward, I thought, I don't know why 
I need to be embarrassed or hide it because the guy I'm talking to probably is dealing with some of it, you know? And so, and then, so then when I started talking about it, I had other people that were like, Oh, Steve, no, you got to tell people that you beat depression. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you understand depression, you know, because I don't care who you are. You don't beat it. You know, you, you learn to, okay, how am I going to use it? How am I going to deal with it? How am I going to work with it? How am I going to do this in my life? And, and, you know, the days that I feel, you know, like the world would be better without me. How am I going to deal with that? How am I going to handle people I'm dealing or I'm around? Um, what am I going to do with that? And so to me, it was, um, I mean, very tough times sometimes where I didn't understand that. And that as I started to get to know it. And then as time went on and I experienced it more, I mean, I was able to get to a point where I was able to say, okay, I'm feeling some really rough feelings right now, but I felt these before. And I know that they're not entirely real. <laughs> and I know that three or four days from now, I'll look back at this with my chemicals will be different. And I'll say, why did I let that bother me so bad? At that day, I thought that the world could end if I didn't have a solution to that. I really did. And I really thought, oh, am I, should I even be here on this planet because of this so bad? But, but I was able to come back and say, okay, stop that, you know, come back and say, Okay, all you got to do is say, "All right, I'm feeling sickness. This is a, this is pneumonia of the heart, or whatever you want to call it." And I've got to wait to adjust. I got to deal with it, let it adjust before I, you know, make any big decisions or or do anything critical. But it also, in dealing with that and knowing that I deal with it still today, is it makes you understand people better, right? Because you start to realize. There are times where, you know, I would walk into a meeting with a smile on my face, but I knew that most of that was fake. And I really wish I could cry and curl up in a ball, you know, and hide under the desk. And, and many times those days were there. So then all of a sudden you start to think, okay, this guy who's being a jerk in the meeting to me, he's doing that right now, probably because he's feeling something, you know, and it might be that depression. I mean, he might just be a jerk too. I'm not saying he's not, but. But I am saying that sometimes people don't know how to handle those things. And so um, for me to be a jerk or to be be too upset with people would just be crazy because you don't know where they're at. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know how many things they're juggling. And I think, I don't know, I just think our, our role is, as friends, as neighbors, as fellow business people to see what we can do to lift others always, right? Anything you can do to lift the next person just because... Yeah, the world is tough. And I mean, I don't want it to be negative. I don't want it to be because, but, but really, there are so many things that, that in dealing with families and dealing with kids and dealing with work, with money, with things, there are so many things that can beat you down that we've got to not dwell on those things. You've got to put it aside and then, and say, okay, how am I going to lift? And at first, I, I really, I mean, I'd heard this before, but, I experienced it myself is some of those times when I felt the worst, even though I didn't want to at all, if I found if I could go do something for somebody else, pretty soon I would feel better. And at the time I would almost fight myself on it. Like, shut up, just go to bed. You know, you'll feel better, you know, but, but I knew that if I actually did something to lift somebody else, my heart would feel a little bit better. I might be able to get past I might, I might make it through this day one more day, you know, and then, 
two days down the road, it's like, okay, yeah, now I feel great. You know, this is a great week. But at the time, it's it's tough. And especially, you know, when you're dealing with family and kids and, and all the drama that has to do with relationships. But but relationships are also the key. If you think about it, um, sometimes, I mean, I mean, I've got friends that say, no drama, no drama, don't. And and I felt that way myself before, but you, you've got to realize that the best joys in life come with our relationships with others, even though some of the hardest times come with relationships. And so, I don't know, in my heart, I just like, you know, there's times where, you know, we've been raising my nephew and he's, he's had, he's had uh, a pretty rough life and, uh, and he's, he's, you know, had some choices. I mean, he's uh, attempted suicide a few weeks ago and he's, and then he's on top of the world the next while, and all that, you know, you, it, it's tough on every side, mm-hmm. but I just think if we just look at it and think, okay, everybody's got some other thing they're carrying. What can we do to, to lift them? What can we do to ease their, their strain that day just a little bit and then make it positive, right? And it's really easy to get caught in the negative. Um, I have um, a niece of mine who I'm really close to, and she had some guys that went to her school that ended up getting kills. Now, she wasn't really close to these guys. She knew who they were, and she went to the same school. However, because all of her friends and everybody were so sad, that that grew with them, right? They all became more sad. They talked about how sad they were, and they they almost, their friendship was based on sad. They all got these heart necklaces together and sporting. And then, and then as the anniversary of that two months later came, they got together and my daughter would, would cry or my daughter, my niece would cry and, and talk about how terrible this was. But I could see from the outside is she was letting that negative create, right? She really didn't know these guys very well at all. She might have said hi to them or, or maybe not ever. But all of a sudden, she's because she's let that, and it's really easy to do. She let that. Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna all embrace this sadness together. Instead of changing that tune at all, it it became an anniversary. Right, every few months they would get together for a I don't know a lunch. They'd all cry and feel bad again together. And 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 I understand the camaraderie, but but there was something there that they were missing, and that was. Okay, where do we take this to a positive? Where do we lift this? And it is awful. It is terrible that they passed away. It's so sad. But they're really, if they were here, they'd probably want us to celebrate the good things that was part of their life, right? And and too many times, I think we, you know, we walk in and we ask somebody how they're doing, and they same old crap. And then somebody else says something about their day. All this, and pretty soon, although we might have started the day okay. We're somebody asks us how we're doing. We well, same crap, different day. You know, we let that negative pull us down. And to me, that's that's um, just something that, that. And I'm not saying I'm 100 percent great at it, but I I always try to pull myself back and say, okay, no, I'm gonna even in the verse of this, I'm gonna try to be positive. I'm gonna try to be the the voice of of, of happiness or the voice of, that lifts people out. Um, and and some people feel like, oh, maybe you don't care if you do that a little bit. And, and that's not it at all. I just, 
care more long term is is I don't want people, you know, mourning for years. I want I want the mourning that that has to happen to happen, and then you know, let's rejoice, let's party, let's get excited. And anyway, it's tough to do. I mean, I but I that's one thing I see quite a bit. Well, what I heard you say is kind of almost like this depression was almost a gift of just like having empathy for others because you've been able yeah. to, you know, being in that job where you saw so many people that were dealing with this. And it's kind of what I've experienced in my own life is when I've gone through a level of my own pain, I have much more compassion for others. I understand it deeper. And so almost like looking at the trials and the experiences that I've had is a gift to help others and to be able to you know, be able to just to be that person to lift them out of it. And those experiences can be hard. And I think the thing that we're learning is, yeah, for your niece, you know, we can dwell on, you know, it is sad, but how about choosing, like you said, just to to see the light and the gifts in it, you know, that we do have life, that we are here, that we can create a difference for other kids and teens that are going through that. Um, or speaking out about it like you did, because that that can help other people that aren't that are afraid or feel like they have to keep it a secret or Keep it down, right? So no one would know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's funny. Um, I read this this thing one time, and and I don't know this this might even uh, voice towards religion a little bit, but I don't need to, but because uh, okay. no 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 specific religion, but this this guy was talking, and he had multiple sclerosis, and he said why me he was upset he was why do i deal with this and it was awful i mean he was dealing with all the the bad sides of it and he talks about being in the this hospital late at night and being in a lot of pain and just being totally frustrated and something happened so that he fell out of the bed but nobody knew he did and he was laying on the floor and he didn't have enough strength to even get up and he just remembers tears coming and he was just like I just wish this whole thing was over. Why, why do I have to deal with this? Why me? And in his mind, he says, I don't know if it was really a vision, a dream or whatever it was, or if it was just me thinking in my, in the way I was at. But he said, I visioned that I was in this heaven place. And then I realized it was like before earth. And I saw all these people and they were talking and I realized they were kind of teaching each other. And even though it was like outside, they had like whiteboards and stuff. He said, and he said, one of the guys wrote up on this board and he said, um, dignity, dignity and patience. And he said, you know, here's some of the things that if that's what you really think that you have a weakness in or you want to learn or you want to experience, here's, and he wrote MS over here. Here's something. And then he saw somebody raise his hand and said, man, that's what I want. And then in his mind, it kind of changed and he looked over it and he saw that it was himself. And he says, I woke up then, and I don't know what any of that means or what any religion or anything, says, but I did think that what if I chose to have these things because I knew I needed it, that I knew that to be the type of person I wanted to be, I needed these trouble. I needed to have these terrible things that happened to me because I needed to progress to a certain point where I want to. I want to get past it. I want to learn it. And like I say, I have no idea what religion is or where that came from, but I do know that I heard that when I was about 20 and I still remember it all the time because there's times where, you know, where, you know, somebody close to me passed away, a, a really close friend and, and it bothered me. And I'm, 
in my head, I was asking why would that ever happen, you know? And, but then I thought, you know, there's probably a reason. Maybe they, you know, for whatever reason, wanted to only be here for a certain amount of time. Or maybe it's something for me or for other family members that wanted, you know, had something to deal with there. And maybe there's a way better reason than my little mind could grasp of why this is happening. And so through that, I I don't know, I not that I'm always great at remembering it, but sometimes as troubles come or as bad things happen to us all, you start to think, okay, there's something really cool that I'm going to learn from this. There's something really, you know, that, that I'm going to gain from this. I mean, right now it's terrible. It sucks. It's awful. It's bad. But there's something that's going to be so much better that I'm going to gain out of this that that I need to kind of put it in perspective. I need to I need to endure through this. I need to to make my way because there's something I'm going to gain. And generally there there is, you know. I mean, some of those situations, it's been new people I met. You know, I I had a close friend who ended up getting a brain tumor, and I helped him um, get jobs. He couldn't hold many jobs because of what he had. I helped him through that and helped him. And then it kind of came to the point where he passed and left a family behind, you know. And and But when I look back at it now, I don't look at poor him because he didn't look at that. He looks at the great times he had with his family, the things he was able to accomplish. And, and, and now I feel like, man, I got to experience that. I got to experience this guy who, who just took on life, even though it, he was dealt a card that I wouldn't want. He, he was able to smile and, and teach his kids things he wanted to teach him about fishing or whatever it might be, you know? And, and I don't know, I just, I kind of think that we all need to come back and, and, and say, Hey, there's probably a bigger picture than what we're seeing. And so we need to try our hardest not to let that moment, you know, get us down, that there's something bigger, better that's coming from whatever we're experiencing. You know what? I love that message. And I've, I've actually heard that not too long ago. My sister has um, some children with like special needs issues. And she's always told me, I really believe that I got those children to teach me all of these qualities. And that they they came exactly how they were supposed to. And this was part of what I wanted to learn here. And I just, so I can resonate. That's a really cool story. But that looking at the trials as gifts and experiences changes. You know, when we can start to find some kind of gratitude or something in it to people that have shown up or, yeah. you know, when we look for the good, you'll find the good. And so I just love you sharing that. And I think that leads us to kind of this last question, which is, you know, Steve, what would you say to the one person? And maybe you're talking to the one who who struggles with the depression, who struggles with feeling like they can share or find words to do what they're feeling called to do, whether it's in business or whatever. What would you say to the one person and advice from what you've learned? Well, the first thing that probably helped me is first to know that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't a freak or weird, that that so many people were dealing with it. And that there's... Um, there's ways, um, there's ways to make it through. And, and even I've got one friend right now who is dealing with depression and he one or two days a week has to, to just not go to the office. He has to just, I mean, he stays home and takes care of himself right now. And it's been that way for four or five months. Now I'm sure he'll get past this and get to the point where he's not, but at least now 
he could talk and he could put in three good days, right? And it just so happens that he's way he's created his business is it's working still at him only putting in three days, you know? And so I don't know. I just think people know they're not alone and that to talk, reach out, talk to people, talk to friends, talk and, and you'll have people will find you or you'll find people that will help you through those parts. And it just seems to me that that always happens, at least with me, that, that I always find or am able to, to either find somebody to help me or I find that, Hey, I, I can really help this person who just approached me and, and I love there, that. there are ways to, yeah. And, you know, just not being afraid to share trials. I, I often say, I gosh, right. I never wanted to talk about my greatest weaknesses. Now I try to help people with my great hardest things in my life. But sometimes those are the gifts. Those are the silver linings of we've been through them so we can help others, you know? Yeah. And right. I'm so grateful to you, Steve. Did you have any other thoughts before we close? No, I, I think that's it. I just appreciate the time. I, I love I love being around people like you and yourself, and, and I think this was kind of fun. Well, super grateful. We'll put your information down below and all the show notes, and if anyone wants to reach out to Steve, he's incredible, and he knows how to help people, and he has a genuine love and heart for that. And thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with what yeah. you shared, because there's so many, so many of us, our children are suffering, some of our spouses, there's just a lot of the world is, is, is working through different challenges. And I think the more that we speak out about whatever they are, rather than hide them, the more we can help. And I think that's how we build having confident communication is just sharing our message, no matter what it is, it can be little or big, you know? Yep, I agree. Well, I think you hit it in the head. Well, thank you, Steve. We appreciate you being here today and uh, look forward to to talking and seeing you guys next week on Creating Confident Communication. See ya. Bye.